Folks, before we jump into today's highlights, I just have to ask you, do you want to put 50 years of baseball history in your pocket? I know what you're thinking. It's not going to fit, but it really will because it's all in audio format. These are lost pieces of baseball history told to you from baseball cathedrals. They're, they're told to you by icons of the game from Red Barber, Ernie Howell to Harry Carey. I get goosebumps personally listening to these games and even thinking about the interviews and what these players are going to share with me. I know what you're thinking. Is this AI? Are there bots? Is there some magic potion here that are making these things appear? And I'm telling you, they're not. These games are real. They were done by real people at that specific moment in time. All the iconic moments, the interviews, none of it's reproduced, none of it's AI. It's all real, but done again by real people. If you want to check them out, uh, there's a free intro offer. Jump on over to VintageBaseballReflections.com. And there's over 2,500 audio clips and games for you to put in your pocket, take on walks with you, hang around the fireplace and listen, put them on the porch, invite some friends over. However you want to listen, you're going to be able to listen in these amazing moments in baseball history. Use this coupon this day for a special gift at the checkout. Welcome fans to This Day in Baseball's Daily Rewind. This is our second episode of the podcast where we bring you back in time to relive a piece of baseball history. And thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to rewind all the way back to April 2nd, 1976. But before we do, I have some quick trivia for you. This player recorded the highest ERA in a season for a starting pitcher that had at least 10 starts. His ERA was an astonishing 10.64, and opponents hit a whopping 357 against him. Fear not, he would later figure it out and win two Cy Young Awards, but can you name who this player is? On April 2nd, 1976, three-time world champion and defending division champs, Oakland A's make a blockbuster trade, sending a future Hall of Famer and all-star pitcher to the Baltimore Orioles for three players far below their caliber at the time, just, just prior to the start of the 1976 season. There had to be a reason for this trade. Future Hall of Famer Reginald Martinez Jackson was no stranger to controversy or conflict throughout his career. Sports author Dick Krauser wrote, Nobody seems to be neutral on Reggie Jackson. You're either a fan or a detractor. Even his teammate, Darrell Nose, was asked if Jackson was a hot dog, i.e. a show-off. He famously replied, There isn't enough mustard in the world to cover Reggie Jackson. When the late Al Heffer was broadcasting the Oakland A's games, he was not too enthusiastic about Reggie's style. Once, with Jackson on third, teammate Rick Monday hit a long home run, to which Helfer said Jackson should easily score on that one. In June of 1974, Jackson and fellow outfielder Bill North got into a major clubhouse fight because North didn't like Jackson's affiliations. That brawl ended up putting catcher and slash peacemaker 
Ray Fossey on the DL for three months with the crushed disc. Later in that season, Jackson's mood soured some more. And during a game, he angrily threw a bat into the stands where it narrowly avoided injuring manager Alvin Dock's wife and two young boys. And then Jackson would say about the owner of the A's, Charles Finley, who we all know if we know baseball history was notoriously cheap. He would say Finley was a sharp businessman who taught him many things about the world of business. And above all else, he was cheap. So with the new era of free agency upon Major League Baseball, after the Kurt Flood situation, uh, baseball started to put arbitration into play, and then free agency was right knocking at its door, the three-time champs were certainly about to get raided. Finley had already lost Catfish Hunter over a failed annuity payment, which was foolish on his part for sure. and Jackson had been awarded huge salary increases through arbitration in 74. And although he didn't win his arbitration in 75, his salary was far above what Finley really wanted to pay Reggie. And Catfish Hunter in free agency received, at the time, a mammoth contract for the Yankees worth close to $3 million. It was clear Jackson was going to be in line for a large payday, and that was something that Finley wanted no part of. So Finley started shopping Reggie after the 1975 season. Although it was not aggressive, he was certainly shopping him. And then with Jackson's free agency unavoidable after the 76 season, Finley finally pulled the trigger, trading the future Hall of Famer on April 2nd in a six-player deal. He also traded all-star pitcher, in the winning pitcher in Game 7 of the 1973 World Series, Ken Holtzman, to the Baltimore Orioles for Don Baylor, before he was an MVP, Mike Torres, before he was a world champion, and Paul Mitchell, who, who would be out of baseball by 1980. At the conclusion of the 1975 season, Jackson was ranked second in home runs all time with 269, He was fourth in RBIs with 776 for the Oakland A's franchise. He had also won an MVP, a World Series MVP. He made six all-star appearances. And if you believe in the war stat, his 1969 season was the best in Oakland A's history until Ricky Henderson won the MVP in 1990. And it still remains the second best season of all time, again, if you're into war. Jackson himself was stunned when the trade actually happened. He had made a life in Oakland, and he was planning to play there for the rest of his career. And he would later say his years in Oakland were the best of his career. The trade, although it seems lopsided, was not without risk for the Orioles. Jackson had not signed a contract yet for the 1976 season, and he threatened to sit out the season. He did finally report to the Orioles four weeks later and made his first appearance on May 2nd. Both Baltimore and Oakland finished second in their respective divisions in 1976. But you could say Jackson's actions had lingering effects on both teams. With Jackson, the Orioles were 20 games over 500, And the A's finished just three games out of first place without Reggie. If he had played a full season for either team, they both could have made the playoffs in 1976. 
and in an odd bit of circumstance, Jackson will later play with Mike Torres for the 1977 world champion New York Yankees and with Don Baylor on the 1982 California Angels that came up just short in the ALCS versus the Brewers. Over the next seven years, Jackson's teams will make the playoffs five times, winning two World Series titles, and he would again win the World Series MVP. Ironically, Oakland only made the playoffs once during the balance of Reggie's career, and they were swept by Reggie's Yankees in 1981. To learn more or read about other cool events on April 2nd, head over to thisdayinbaseball.com slash April 2nd. You can also read about many more events throughout Reggie Jackson's career on his page or the other players mentioned in this podcast. Go to thisdayinbaseball.com and simply search Reggie Jackson. This podcast is sponsored by Steiner Sports. Every day I walk through my den slash man cave and I get to see Bobby Thompson's shot heard round the world. Jackie Robinson sliding into home, Willie Mays' catch, Ricky Henderson, Andre Dawson, and four Red Sox World Series headlines. I could go on and on here. There are just dozens of fantastic memories that fill my walls. Steiner Sports has over over 11,000 pieces of unique memorabilia for you to remember your favorite day, player, or event. If you love baseball and you want to own your memories, they're only click away. Head over to thisdayinbaseball.com slash memorabilia and check out what Steiner Sports has for you. Or just head over to thisdayinbaseball.com and look for the memorabilia in our sidebar widgets and in the navigation bar. Now let's answer that trivia question. His given name is Harry Leroy, but most people called him Doc. He was the third youngest Blue Jay to start a game in franchise history in 1998 at just 21 years old. He would later pitch a perfect game in the NLDS in 2010, only the second in baseball history in the playoffs. He will gain entry into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2019, unfortunately, after he passed away. This player is Harry Leroy Doc Halliday. So I just want to thank you again for joining us on today's Baseball Rewind. It's my pleasure to share this story with fellow baseball fans. Please remember to like, share, subscribe, and comments are welcome below. You can browse our entire back catalog where there are thousands of stories on thisdayinbaseball.com. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>